If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Do you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect, and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect, and enjoy their people? If you do, then have a look at the website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. And today we're going to talk to Renee Newbaum. We're going to talk about the Brumbies again. She's got a little bit more information. Renee, are you there? Welcome to Horse Chats. Yeah, hi, Glenis. Thanks for having me on today. No worries at all. Renee, I want to introduce you. Now, the way I like to introduce people is to say something about their favourite quote, because I think, you know, if you tell us a bit about your favourite quote, we get to know you a bit sooner. You know, to have that quote, to have that thing that you say to yourself all the time or say to others, or, you know, sometimes coaches might say it in their teaching, just gives us a little bit more information about you. So what is your favourite quote? Yeah, okay. Um, if, if, if I'm talking to people and about my personal life, I would say, okay, Sarah, Sarah. Um, but if I'm talking about horses as we are today, I really can't go past um, um, someone who I really admire, and that is Tom Roberts. And that is perhaps the greatest kindness you can ever do for a horse is to educate him well. That's my favourite horse quote. Yeah, I certainly agree with that one. You know, people like to have a well-educated horse and, um, you know, we've talked before with Jonathan McLean and he says, well, a a well-educated horse is a safe horse. You know, we want safe horses. We want people to be safe. We want the horses to be safe. And, um, you know, if you've got a safe horse and a well-educated horse, that's the sort of horse that you want to get, that you want to buy, that you want to purchase. They're always going to have a good home. And that's the thing, you want to minimise that merry-go-round that, you know, some horses get on because they haven't had the right education to set them up and quite often they're misunderstood. And, um, yeah, I'm a, a firm believer in a good education sets them up for life. Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk today about Project Hope Horse Welfare, okay? But can you tell us a little bit about Project Hope Horse Welfare and how you got involved with it? Sure. got involved with Project Hope Horse Welfare about 23 years ago when I saw a then-printed newsletter on a friend's coffee table and just thought, gee, this is something I could really be involved and interested with because I've always had a very strong background uh, with equine welfare. And um, fast forward 23 years, I'm still with them. I'm their current vice president have had a few roles over the 23 years and um, yeah we always have a you know project hope horse at our property that we rehabilitate and then we obviously uh, look for long-term homes for them Glenis. Yep these horses that you have that you're rehabilitating are they brumbies or are they a mixture of brumbies and other horses just tell us a little bit about them. Well, I actually haven't had any Brumbies come through uh, the organisation. We primarily deal with horses that are already in a domestic environment. But in, in saying that, we we have had a number of people contact us that have Brumbies that are looking for further information on 
you know, the best way to train them, handle them and house them. So we do quite a lot of outside the paddock work with the community and it's not just domesticated horses, it's it's horses right, right across the board. We've been going for nearly 48 years as an organisation, so we're doing something right. So how did you get involved with Brumbies then? You know, because that's sort of a, it seems like you're pretty passionate about them too. So passionate about yeah. the Project Hope, yeah. Horse Welfare, but passionate about the Brumbies. Yeah, well, that, that came through um, with our time that we would spend up in the Barmer National Park 20 plus years ago and always admired the wild horses, the Brumbies up there. And in order to get our two little girls interested in camping, the best thing that we could offer them was to come up and see the Brumbies at Barmer. And um, that's how, I guess, my my passion and love for Brumbies even got stronger was seeing it through my daughter's eyes. Yeah. Tell us about the Brumbies that are up there. So Barmer is which national park? Barmer is what's well, called the Barmer National Park and okay. it's right on the map. So it has uh, New South Wales on one side and it's got um, Victoria on the other side. The park goes into both states or not? No, it's called, I'm, I'm sorry, but it is called something else on the New South Wales side. Okay, sorry. okay, that's okay. Yep, yep. So we're talking about Barmer National Park. Correct. But tell us a bit, you know, how often do you go up there and, you know, you say that the numbers are wrong, but tell us a little bit about your experience going up there and counting them and yeah. knowing the horses and the numbers and how they change over the 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well certainly one thing that's really obvious up in Barmer is that, you know, when, when there are good times and feed is plentiful, well, so so's the um, wildlife and, and the brumbies. And, you know, I, I guess over the last some 200 plus years that brumbies have been out in the Barmer, their numbers pretty much self-regulate, Glenys, because um, the Barmer does experience a lot of drought, but it also experiences a lot of flooding when they're doing their water allocation down the Murray because it, it is a wetland. So that does impact greatly on the numbers of Brumbies that are around at any one time because it tends to funnel them into a very smaller specific area of the park when the park is inundated with water. So you have a pretty good opportunity to see what the numbers are like. There's been a number of times that uh, we specifically, we fly over the Barmer, so we get a really good aerial view and spend quite a bit of time up in the air looking down on the ground as well. And, you know, whilst it's a very heavily treed forest, there are a lot of open grassland areas where you can see the Brumbies because, I mean, you know, horses love to eat grass, so that's where you'll find the majority of them. But, um, you know, over the last couple of hundred years, um, I've done a complete historical timeline of Barmer from the start until now, and their numbers have been anywhere between 150 and, say, 500. Okay. How many do you think are there now? Oh, well, after the last week, there's been 12 more shot brumbies that have been found. My personal belief and those that live there locally, you would definitely be looking south of 50 brumbies left right at this. Maybe less. Mm. Maybe less. We don't know. 
Um, the park is still closed off to the public, so you can't access a lot of the park. And it's during those times, that's when, yeah, the, their shooting program ramps up, is when the park shut down. So it's a very dire situation considering that, you know, to have a, a mob of, say, you know, 50 or less Brumbies, that's not enough for a viable herd. Yeah. So are the parks trying to eradicate them? Oh, absolutely they are, Glenys. Okay. Um, within Victoria, there are three management plans for the Brumbies. There's the one for the Barma National Park. There is the other one for the Bogong High Plains. And then there's one for the Vic Alps. Now, two of those three management plans state that they're an eradication plan. It's not a number reducing, it's eradication. That word is used. And that is for the Barma National Park and that is for the Bogong High Plains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are eradication plans. So my concern, you know, no, horses need to be maintained. They need to be regulated. But what I completely disagree with is the shooting of wild animals and then if they've missed the shot allowing the animal to just go on and either be maimed for the rest of their life in pain dying from infected wounds and dying not just straight away but that long painful death you know and yes. and aborting foals and yes. you know unable to eat and and things because they're injured so badly and dying of starvation because they can't eat or dying of thirst. And this is this is the sort of thing that can happen when we have shooting of animals that then just escape and they do, there's no tracking, there's no tracing of what's happened to those yeah. bullets and to yeah. those animals. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, you're exactly right in what you say, Glenys, is that, you know, the standard operating procedures should be there to protect any animal that is dispatched in its last couple of seconds of life. However, what many of us have found, and you know, I have found this in Barma, I have found this um, in the Vic Alps, so many Brumbies that have had multiple, multiple shots taken at them. Um, You know, we're talking gut shots, we're talking shots that just basically immobilise them, they're not killing shots. Mm. Now, that's a real welfare concern. And unfortunately, you know, the greater public are not able to see any of this because, I mean, the locations are quite remote and it just goes on in a covert operation. And the recent shootings that were up at Barmer over the last couple of weeks yeah, there was there was one stallion that had three gut shots, mm, mm. you know, and, you know, how long would he walked off for before he was finally died? And there were no headshots to follow them up. Yes, yes, okay, okay. There was no follow-up headshots to any of the ones that have been seen recently, mm-hmm. to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I know that, you know, in the past there's been situations where the horses have been basically rounded up, you know, but yards built around water and feeding areas and and salt licks put in and encouraging the horses to go into yards and then they're closed off, all right? So the horses Mm -hmm. then are captured. Now, in that situation, the horses, even though it may be quite 
overwhelming for the horses, to say the least, that they're put then on trucks and taken away and taken out and hopefully sent to someone to be handled and rehomed. Is this possible for the rest of them? You know, is this something that can be worked on? Do you have any knowledge of this? Yeah, absolutely. The recent trapping program that took place in Barma, which was not too long after the big floods that were up there, and it was done in what, I mean, look, we all want them to remain, but we have to be, you know, knowledgeable and respectful of the environment as well. And we're not saying that they don't need to be managed. In some areas, they do need to be managed. And some of the passive trapping that took place in Barma was done with incredible care, incredible skill, and really good outcomes. You know, it's a credit to the trapper that was employed to do that one. But you've also got some trappers that don't do it as well. They take shortcuts. And as a result, you know, you end up getting a a horse that or a Brumby that's severely injured. I do know from quite a few of the trapping programs, you know, that they have to shoot them because they get injured when they're in the traps because you've got, you know, several lead stallions um, contained in a very small area. You've got different mobs contained in a small area. There are injuries out of this. Mm. The thing that really gets me is that the RSPCA has made it very clear that, you know, the standard operating procedures and COPTA has to be applied to all situations, but then there's no one there looking over or overseeing it from an independent point of view that these standard operating procedures are happening. You don't get to see what goes on until you see the carnage that's left after they've been. Mm. Mm. That's another issue as well. And, um, I think that there is a lot more that they're not telling us. Yep. They do say, and it's been very openly discussed in um, the PIAC inquiry, that Bev MacArthur, our, one of our amazing MPs down here in Victoria, has pushed the minister on and has pushed the CEO from Parks Victoria, Matthew Jackson, on about giving the details of these trapping and shooting operations They sit there with literally tight lips and they say, we don't have to tell you it's a covert operation. Yep, yep. And so you're saying that the RSPCA and they have standard procedures, but what does the RSPCA, what's their view on the the aerial culling and the aerial shooting? (laughs) Well, you're not going to like the answer I'm going to give you. They endorse and give the green light for aerial culling. They say it's a humane way to deal with large numbers of feral horses. They endorse it. So do they endorse it using the numbers that were given? They do. They accept those numbers that were given also. And that's where a lot of the issues come about is that they're making their policies on flawed numbers, you know, it, it was interesting, back back in 2021, the Threatened Species Recovery Hub did a six-year research program and it listed the top 10 worst invasive species in this country. And the Brumby was not mentioned in one of them. It had the European rabbit, it had a plant disease, it had 
the pigs, the cats, the goats, the fox, blackberries, rats, lantana, but not brumbies. So I don't know where these departments are getting their information from. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, paid comment to say that it's the Brumbies because, you know, even with the um, National Environmental Science Program that came out with the 10 worst invasive species, there was no mention of the Brumbies in any of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet we've got these eradication programs. Yes. I don't... I don't see an eradication program for the European rabbit. I don't see eradication programs for the pigs or the cats. And, you know, we talk about the deer. I mean, deer are actually protected under legislation. Did you know that? No, no, I didn't. No, no. no. Well, the, the, the deer are protected under legislation here in Victoria because they do have to um, keep their numbers up to satisfy the um, the hunting industry. Mm. Yeah, you, you think about it that way and it's like, well, you know, they're, they're, they're okay to shoot a Brumby, but, um, yeah, leave, leave, leave the deer in numbers, but get rid of the Brumbies. So what do you think the biggest challenge is now? You know, like any horse lover, any animal lover, and you know, basically any human being doesn't want to see animals die in agony. And that's the main thing that we're looking at. We don't we don't want the aerial culling because of the uh, the amount of animals that die. The numbers are flawed. Yeah. How can we get mm-hmm. more trapping? You know, because we can agree that the Brumbies need to be managed, okay? And if they need to be eradicated, well, we don't want to see that. But if it happens, we'd rather have the horses trapped we're using a trapping Correct. program, standard operating procedures, and they'd still be recognised. I mean, there's there's events for Brumbies, there's competitions for Brumbies. They're still going to be recognised as a breed, even if they're not in the wild. But the solution, you know, what's the solution to get more trapping programs and cut out the aerial culling and any shooting and get them trapped? Yeah, you know, if, if you're talking in New South Wales, I mean, they do have um, the heritage um, legislation there for the Brumbies and they are supposed to leave, um, I think it's 3,000 Brumbies are supposed to be left in KNP. But, you know, up there, um, I, I spent some time up there in April and May of this year and went to all the areas where there is normally, you know, high, high populations higher populations of the Brumbies and the open plained areas. But I, I was lucky to count maybe 400 Brumbies over like four or five days. I don't know where they're getting this eighteen to 20,000 numbers for. I know where they're getting them from. They're getting them from flawed methodology that's being used. But getting back to your question about what should we be doing right now, right now we are under management plans. Now, the management plan openly states that they were to trap before shooting. However, they're shooting before trapping, Gwyneth. So what can be done about it? We, we, you know, we're looking for solutions and then... I know. What, well, what can be done about it? I, I think that the, the biggest issue that we have as um, Brumby advocates is getting the public on board to know what the real problems are out there. They don't they don't know. We're all 
we're all talking to ourselves. We're, we're, we're talking to the converted. Um, I, I've had so many rejections over the years for media um, to expose the, the, you know, the cruelty that's going on and also to expose the fact that we have so many approved rehomers that are waiting for Brumbies. To give you an example, um, a local Brumby sanctuary here in Victoria, Mountain Brumby Sanctuary, they've had their approvals for Barma Brumbies to be trapped and sent to them. They haven't received one over the years, not one. How long ago did they apply? Oh, last year. Okay. Yep. Last year. They, they, they did it before the cutoff. Yep. Yeah, they, they've had their application in for probably close to two years, I'd say. Um, and another one would be the Victorian Brumby Association. Um, they too are approved rehomers, yet the only Barma Brumbies that they have received have been as a result of a, a local lady, Kay Moore, who, um, yeah, she, she's our person on the ground up there, that when there's one of the Brumbies that has strayed out of the park and is, you know, coming into the township or on the road, she she manages to get them into private properties and then um, Colleen will come and um, take them to Victorian Brumby Association. Okay. But she's never had any sent to her from parks. The Barma Brumby Preservation Group, they received, I think it was 10 Brumbies in the last trapping after the floods, which was, yeah, this year. But they were told that they could have 90. They got 10. Mm. And they've shot the rest. And they're still shooting. So, yes, we, we do want to get more rehomed um, under the current management plan. That's the only option we've got to save these Brumbies is to rehome yep. them. And, you know, there's, there's, there's enough support out there for them to be rehomed. Financially, yeah, it, it is a huge ask on these organisations to sustain that. But, you know, we do a lot of fundraising. I mean, our, our group, the Barma Brumby Hay Angels, already this year have given just under $20,000 to many Brumby rehoming groups. That's just this year. Mm -hmm. But we need more. Yep. Yep. We need, we need more Brumbies trapped and shot. <laughs> you know, um, that, that's really what we, what we need. Okay. So there's yeah. plenty of people ready to take them on if they're trapped. What can yeah. we do as a, you know, general public, interested general public? What can we do to get the Brumbies trapped rather than shot? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, um, unfortunately, this is a bit of a political football and it it can only be, um, yeah, I basically fought on the parliamentary floor. I would really strongly love people to write to their local MPs and trying, trying to get as much media as possible within their own local, just network. Um, it's writing to MPs to get to say that mm -hmm. we do not accept this. I mean, look, there's been a number of rallies that have been done in the past. I mean, I've travelled to Sydney several times. I've gone to Canberra. If there's a Brumby rally, I'll travel for it anywhere to go. But once again, 
there's we're, we're talking to the converted. That that's not going to win it over. We we need a lot more public exposure. We need a lot more of the equestrian community to get on board. Um, you know, I, I I do find it very disappointing. I mean, their horses first, Brumby second. I, I find it disappointing that there's a lot of equestrians that are turning a blind eye to this shooting and this aerial culling. What if it was their horse? What about from the other states? I hear from people and say, look, I'd love to sign this petition, but I'm not from Victoria and I'm not from New South Wales. What can other states do? Should they contact their local MP? Is that going to make a difference? or should? Absolutely. Absolutely they can. And, um, yeah, um, well, unfortunately that's just the way um, state petitions are set up under legislation. They are state-specific. And, um, look, there are a number of petitions that are going in each state. But um, I, I think the best way at the moment is to unify and basically get onto your local MP and just make as much noise as possible. Talk mm-hmm. about it with your friends. Um, you know, if, if there are petitions around, share them. It's, it's getting to the, well, I think we've gone almost past the pointy end of the stick out in Barmer and the same in Bogong where there's, there's hardly any left out there. Yep. There's hardly any left out there. And, you know, they might say, well, look, you know, to the odds, um, you know, Brumby that we find out there rather than make it a, you know, a, a shooting plan, um, we'll just allow the Parks Victoria Rangers just to pop them off whenever they see one. Mm. And, and I think that's probably what's going on up at Barmer. You know, there's only a few scragglers left around and rather than make it a... a a big shooting plan, they're just um, allowing, you know, um, potentially park rangers or park employees um, to do the job. Renee, is there anything else we need to know? You know, we're sort of aware, we've talked to a couple of other people as well. We want to make sure that their Brumbies are trapped, they're not shot. Yeah. If we're in Victoria or um, New South Wales, it's a bit late now, the petition stopped. Correct. But still, contact, there's no reason why you can't keep contacting your local MP and share any petitions that you do see. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, you've just got to be persistent. I mean, there's been a lot of other people that have been in this fight a lot longer than what um, we have at the Barmer Brumby Hay Angels. For me, it's been probably, you know, the last 12 to 15 years on a, um, I guess, on an advocacy basis. we're not giving up. The fat lady hasn't sung yet, but, you know, we really need to be able to get out to the greater public and um, also continuing on with your MP. They're there to represent their constituents. And if their constituents don't agree with the cruelty that is going on with these Brumbies at the moment, we have to keep persisting with that. Okay. So we contact our local MP and then they should talk to the MPs from New South Wales and Victoria? Is that the way that it should be working? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, there's, 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 there's nothing stopping um, any of us um, contacting MPs in respective states to say that we do not agree. Um, even, you know, getting on to the federal um, minister, Tanya Plibercek, um, writing to her. I mean, she, she's the one that's really pushing this aerial culling 
to be reinstated back up in New South Wales. I mean, people have got a really short memory if they don't recall what happened at Guy Fawkes. That's the whole reason aerial culling was stopped. And now they want to bring it back on the table. Or all, right. all those contact details, Renee, are going to be on your page, which will be horsechats.com. Just go there and search for Renee. You could search for Newbauer. It's spelled N-E-U-B-A-U-E-R. I'd just be searching for Renee myself. That's easy, R-E-N-E-E. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, if you, um, yeah, if, if you look for, um, you know, in, any of the, the local groups, like we're from the Barmer Brumby Hay Angels, um, the Barmer Brumby Preservation Group, um, they're all really good direct sources of information. Um, I can certainly provide you with the number of links, Glenys, to our current Victorian um, e-petition that's sponsored by Bev MacArthur yep. and also the report that was done by Claire Galea, who's a biostatistician, that outlines all the concerning flaws in the methodology used in the estimates of the, um, of the Brumby cows. Yep. If the greater public can can read Claire Galea's reports, there's some really good facts in there that they can use and quote when they're writing their letters to their MPs. They're able to talk and write with a lot of conviction from yeah from a very well known biostatistician. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. We'll get all those links from you and uh, as I said, put them on the page. And Renee, if people want to contact you directly, is that okay? Can we get those contact details? Absolutely. Not a problem at all, Glenn. Okay. Anything to help. All right. Well, we'll put those on your page. And as I said, go to horsechats.com, search for Renee. You can even search for Brumby or, you know, search for any of the other keywords and you should be able to find that. And um, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for further explaining just the situation with the Brumbies. And, um, you know, as I said, we, we want to manage them, but we just, it's the cruelty that we've got to stop. It is, you're exactly right. It is the cruelty that needs to stop. And we need to, yeah, obviously stop what shooting programs are in place and just put it on the shelf and go back. I mean, now while num- numbers are that low, they're not that hard to count, Glenys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, they're not hard to count. And, you know, that's another thing that they're um, not doing is that they're supposed to be doing their number counts before every shoot. They are not. They are not. We're, yeah. So, yeah, there's lots, lots, lots of things that the um, management plan said that they would do, but they're not doing. They're not rehoming first. They're shooting first. Yeah. Okay. Renee, thank you for your time today. Um, really good talking You're to welcome. you. And um, hopefully we'll just stay updated. You know, if you've got any more news, you can let us know. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Glennis. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 